And welcome to those of you online. Lovely to have you with us. Psalm 96, a magnificent psalm and an invitation and a challenge as we walk into 2024. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. And I loved Andy Campbell's challenge to us this morning, very similar. Come bless the Lord for he is good. That's an invitation to us. It's an invitation to join all of creation in singing God's praises this year. Let's understand that creation already actually sings God's praises. The heavens are glad. The earth rejoices. The seas roar. The fields exult. And the kauri, the totara, and the nikau sing for joy. Nature continually declares God's praises. So come join creation in praise of God. That's what the psalmist is inviting us to do. With that explicit invitation comes an implicit question or challenge. What song are we singing? I want to suggest that we're certainly singing something. We all do. You may not pass through your day audibly singing, this is, the Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, although maybe you do, but you are singing nonetheless every moment of every day. Your life, my life, is in fact a song. Our words, our deeds, our thoughts, our expressions, our innermost reflections, our outer disposition all sing some song. God is listening, so is the world. And so let me pitch a question to us. What song are you singing in 2024? At age 19, I shared a flat with seven other Christian young adults in Palmerston North, mostly Massey University students and TCOL students. And during that year, we briefly billeted uh, another young adult who was traveling the country with some Pentecostal evangelistic um, team, some kind of God squad. And we had this guy billeted with us, and his teammates turned up to pick him up one morning, and one of his teammates came in to find him, and this guy was particularly enthusiastic for God. And at some ungodly hour of the morning, he charged into our flat, shouting, isn't it great to be alive for God this morning? <laughs> at which point, having been woken very rudely by an obnoxious individual, I came flying out of my room and coming down the stairs. One of my more diplomatic and pastorally-minded flatmates stopped me from uh, basically murdering this guy. I was thinking, you're about to be dead for God this morning. <laughs> he was singing a new song. He's lucky I didn't silence it. A life that sings for God doesn't have to be thoughtless. It doesn't have to be in your face. We don't have to unnecessarily court martyrdom at 19 years of age. But neither should we be silent. We are, in fact, urged to sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his, tell of his salvation from day to day. All creation, especially you and I, humanity, is charged with declaring God's glory and recounting his good deeds. And so in the first three verses of the psalm, note this, we are told to sing, 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 bless, tell, and declare. 
Evidently, silence is not an option. Why such insistence on vocal praise? Firstly, simply because God is worthy of our praise. Verse 4 declares, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And then the psalm goes on to name some attributes of God that are worthy of our praise. Honor and majesty, strength and beauty. What's more, God sustains the natural order. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. And note this. God governs the moral order. He will judge the peoples with equity. And so God deserves our praise as the world's good creator and sustainer, as its merciful redeemer and as its fair judge. God is truly worthy of our praise. That's the first basic reason to sing God's praises. But the second reason, I suggest, is this. And this is something the psalmist well knows. We, as creatures, inevitably worship something. Our lives sing one, one song or another. We are, in fact, never silent. And so there's a competition in play for our song of worship. Yahweh, the God of Israel, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is to be revered among the gods, we're told. And then the psalmist adds for clarification, for all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. One scholar wonderfully translates this verse, for all the gods of the people are ungods. And so in one sense, there's no competition at all as the psalmist explains, by reminding us that any God other than Israel's true God is an idol, a worthless, lifeless distraction from the only true God. Pagan idols are made by human hands, whereas Yahweh made the heavens and the earth. And so the psalmist mocks the futility of idolatry. However, precisely because sinful humanity has a propensity to make worthless idols, and then to worship them, we do need reminding to praise the one and only true God, the creator, the redeemer of all things. And in fact, our lives brim with idols. Maybe not the carved sort of wood or stone, but let's consider some of them. The most obvious ones, of course, material possessions, career success, but let's consider a few others. What about physical beauty that we cultivate and cling to anxiously? What about reputation and social status that needs constant massaging with social media posts? What about intellectual abilities and accomplishments that subtly fuel the ego? What about people we relate to possessively because we may feel empty without them? What about grievances that we nurture till they dominate the heart and mind, diminishing our capacity to love? What about those God-given talents and gifts that we have and they assume center stage and we edge life and God into the wings? What about, for those of us maybe nearing or entering retirement particularly, an insistence on a quiet life that no one Dear disturb. <laughs> we do have idols 
We sing to them. We sing about them. We shower them with our time and money, our attention and obsessive thought. And so, yeah, it's a competition, all right. You and I are singing about something. As created beings who compulsively worship, we are singing about one God or another. And so what are you singing about in 2024? Who or what are you singing to? And I think that question, that challenge, actually leads to another that I want to suggest is also implicit in the psalm. And that's this question. What fills your view? Because we sing about what we see. Whatever captivates our gaze captures our worship. Let me say that again. Whatever captivates our gaze captures our worship. And so Psalm 96 urges us to fill our gaze with God, to gaze on God. The psalm itself has a very clear view of God. It contemplates the glory of creation, those roaring oceans teeming with life and swaying fields of grain glinting in the sunlight and stately trees with branches stretched skyward. And as it contemplates creation, it sees the glorious creator. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord is king. The psalm also sees a righteous judge who will wrong, right the wrongs that are done on this good earth. And the psalm declares, he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with truth. In fact, and this is interesting, the psalm sees creation itself celebrating the fact that God will bring justice. Note precisely what the trees praise God for. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. Creation itself declares God's justice. I think that's a very fitting thought, considering the ecological destruction that humanity has wrought on this planet, let alone all the idolatry, the social injustice, the violence, and the many other forms of evil. That vision of God righting all wrongs and administering justice is largely eschatological in the psalm. It is looking forward to that day of the Lord, which is in the first instance Christ's coming, but in the more fuller sense, Christ's return. That great day of judgment. As followers of Jesus, we understand that that day of the Lord is set in motion, inaugurated, by Jesus when he came, and yet not fully consummated. We do await that last day when all the nations will stand before God and God will judge the world. But we don't only look forward to the end when God sits on his judgment seat. We also, I suggest, gaze at the past and also at the present to see what God has done in history and what God is doing Today. And so we're told, tell of his salvation from day to day, says the psalmist. Declare his glory among the nations. 
his marvellous deed among the peoples. So those saving deeds, those marvellous works, are not just in the future, we don't just await them. They are also in the past and also in the present. And I want to give us two helpful ways to fill our gaze with God and with God's good deeds, past and present, so that we may sing his praises this year. The first way, simple but important, soak yourself in Scripture. Scripture attests to God's activity from the dawn of creation onwards, including his delight in creating all things, his election of Israel and self-revelation to them, his remarkable incarnation in Jesus Christ, Christ's death, resurrection, redemption and renewal of all things, the inclusion of the Gentiles in the saving purposes of God, and so forth. All of this is worth fixing our gaze on. All of this is worth prompting our praise. If you want to keep God in view so that your life sings God's praises, begin by reading and listening to Scripture. Pause and pray as you take it in. Get to know this God and his magnificent, magnificent saving deeds. And let God sing to you through Scripture. Let God speak to you of his intimate love for you, as well as for all of creation. But there's a second way, I think, that we can fill our gaze with God, and especially see God's saving activity today. Take a thoughtful, prayerful look at all the ways God has been present in your life. Recount his saving deeds in your own life journey. I'd be interested to know, I won't, I won't ask you though, but I'd be interested to know how many of us journal, how many of us all use a scrapbook, have some form of collecting, recalling, remembering um, what God is actually doing in our life, a spiritual journal, a spiritual scrapbook. I recommend it um, if you want a way to trace the grace and goodness of God through your life. When the psalmist says, tell of his salvation day to day, I hear a beautifully ambiguous phrase. Are we to declare, to declare from one day to the next that God is a saving God? Or are we to specifically notice and speak of our experience of God's salvation today, this very day, and then get up again tomorrow and notice the same thing? Surely both. We're to look for God's saving activity every day, and we are to declare his praise on a daily basis. And so notice God's, God's goodness towards you from one day to the, to the next, and declare it boldly and daily. And let not only your words, but also your actions sing of God's praise. How? Through acts of kindness, mercy, and justice like God. You know, I think the phrase, count your blessings, which I tend not to use in life, is, is often considered a trite phrase that diminishes life's pain and suffering. And I think it can be thrown out too quickly or misapplied. But I actually want to draw our attention to it today because I think there's a right way to count our blessings. Intentionally, 
recalling the ways that God has been and is present and active in our lives in order to fill our view with God, in order to prompt a song of praise, a new song, as the psalm says. And I think the, new, the word new is actually important here. And so I encourage us, going into 2024, do we have an old song or do we have a new song? Because as Lamentations tells us, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Why? Because they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. God's mercies come to us daily. Hence the call to sing a new song. So this is really a positive, bold challenge to us as a church. Going into 2024 to partner with God in bearing witness to his goodness, in reaching out to those who don't yet know the love of God for themselves. Our Sunday services, like any church, our picnics in the park, weather permitting, our formational community gatherings, the various courses, marriage course, prayer course, other courses that we will have this year, they provide us with an opportunity to invite curious family, friends, colleagues to come and taste the love of God, the warmth and friendship of Christian community so that God may stir in them a new song also. Why? Because God desires all people, all families, all ethnicities, and all nations to know his salvation and to worship him. The psalm again, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the earth, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. In commenting on the psalm, one scholar simply says, the news of Yahweh's saving work should be spread abroad day after day until all people and all nations know about his glory. And so the call to worship is to every human being on the planet. But for that call to be heard, someone has to sing about God. Will we? Now, if you're anything like me, you might not always find it easy to speak about or display or to display your faith towards non-believers in a way that's unnatural, non-threatening, and doesn't lead to uncomfortable silences. And so I want to acknowledge many, many of us may have had awkward experiences with Christian evangelism, and that word can be off-putting for us. We may have attempted to share our faith in ways that fell flat. We may have had someone like that young guy in our face at one point in life telling us how good God is in a way that really rubs us up, up the wrong way. But I want to encourage myself, ourselves, by saying sometimes we can be too afraid, can we not? Unnecessarily hesitant to sing, to tell, to declare God's goodness. Remember, it's good news after all. So let me, let me just say, if a colleague asks you what you're doing on the weekend, well, let me ask you, do you tell them everything except for the fact that you're going to church on Sunday? Do you think they might pull back from you 
if they learn that you're a Christian who attends church. They may be curious. They may say, oh, that's interesting. Why do you go to church? Again, if you're anything like me, a question like that can prompt the heart rate to rise a little bit. No, no, what do I say next? What are they going to think of me? They may be completely calm, genuinely interested. Why do you go to church? Tell me about that. Wanting to know your answer. So again, I suggest some of us can be too quick to assume that others are not interested in our God. I think we can silence our own song. So I really want to encourage us to be a little less afraid in 2024. Now, I know some of you are not afraid. Some of you have the gift of evangelism, and that's fantastic. You naturally and courageously sing, tell, and declare God's goodness to anyone who will listen. If that's you, God bless you. You have a gift. Use it well. Use it sensitively. And use it courageously to declare the good news of God. The rest of us may be a little too cautious. Perhaps we could do with a little more courage. I want to tell you one other personal story, this one a little more uplifting than the first. Hopefully you'll find it encouraging and motivating. In 2020, as my wife Julie and I returned from a few, a few years in Hong Kong, I traveled to Nelson to visit my sister and I caught up with some friends who were there, including an old friend, Gary, who had been a colleague many years earlier. We had been Christian community youth workers in Nelson, working with young people through outdoor pursuits and discipling those who came to faith. And so in 2020, we caught up after many years, and we had a pint and a pizza at a trendy alehouse in Richmond. We talked about the stuff of life, the joys and hardships we'd experienced, marriage, family, work, and our faith. About an hour into our catch-up, sitting on bar stools at a back table, one of the bartenders came over, a young guy, I'd say in his early 20s, came over, he was clearing our glasses, and then he said something quite amazing, almost in an embarrassed tone. He said, I've been watching you guys. There's something so different about you. He was, he was clearly captivated. And I sensed that he was quietly moved. He'd been watching us for some time. He didn't really quite know what to say. Gary and I must have been, just as we sat there chatting in our own world, somehow projecting something, radiating something. Two grizzly-bearded, middle-aged men at the back of a pub. (laughs) In our world, we were just having a great time catching up. In that bartender's world, he saw something very different over at that table, as opposed to all those other tables. I just want to say to us, don't underestimate what non-believers will see in your face, or hear in your voice, or observe in your actions, or sense in your presence, because your life sings. Now, in that moment, when that bartender stood there awkwardly registering what he just said, (laughs) I knew I had a choice. I could simply say to him, we are old mates catching up with each other, and I did say that, and I could leave it there. Or I could add, we are also 
two Christian men who both know the love of God. That might be what you saw. There's a split second where we know that we can sing God's praises if we choose to. And in that split second, fear can kick in. The fear of sounding cheesy. The fear of looking like we're trying to oversell Jesus to someone. What will this person think of me if I say this? I feel that fear sometimes. But I knew that young man had seen something. He told us, right? He had seen something of God. It had affected him. He deserved to know what it was. He just didn't know how to name it. Guess whose job it was to name it? My job. I did. I braved it. I told him he may have seen the love of God in us. So let me just ask us all, will we sing God's praises among the people this year? Will we name what they notice when the opportunity arises? Will we declare in our words and in our actions, in our own gentle way, that the Lord is King, that God, the good creator, the merciful redeemer, the fair judge, wants all people to know his love and sing his praises. Let our lives sing for 2024. Let me pray. Lord God, I confess I can be very hesitant. Um, It makes no difference that I'm in pastoral ministry. I can be hesitant and afraid to name you, to declare your praises, and to let someone know that I'm a Christian. Uh, Give me the courage, Lord, to take those moments that you present to speak of you, to speak of your goodness. And if someone takes an interest in me, if there's a hint that they've seen something, may I be very quick, Lord, to glorify you and say that it is you, that it's your presence, that it's your goodness in my life. And Lord, that's my prayer for all of us, that we would do do that, Lord. Those of us who need courage, to testify to your goodness. God, give us courage. Give us the boldness of your Holy Spirit. Those of us, Lord, who need eyes to see again that you are, in fact, good, um, show us, Lord. Help us look at creation, see the Creator, um, marvel at your goodness. Help us entrust to you the injustices of this earth, Lord. You will judge the living and the dead. And so, God, Fill our vision with you and your goodness and help us sing your praises in 2024. Amen.